every episode, whether it's whether it's on the recording or not, starts with a big sigh, usually. Uh, in in late stage capitalism news, a uh, I mean this was inevitable, but uh, a, a restaurant is claiming that it went out of business not because restauranting is inherently difficult and risky and etc., but no, specifically and solely because uh, there's a higher minimum wage. Yeah. So is this a, a Seattle only or the county or the state increase the uh, minimum wage for tip workers? But uh, whatever the case is, you would think that most restaurants would be like, okay, so becomes part of our overhead and we adjust prices if needed or staffing if needed to make all of that work out. But this one like chain, I guess it's the parent company of a bunch of things that are franchised, decided that rather than do that, they would tack a fee onto the bill or check because which I'd love to read, except I'm now being nagged to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> they they called it a living wage surcharge. Yes. Apparently, at the at the bottom of the uh, receipt, ticket, check, whatever, was some fine print that said, living wage surcharge has been added to offset the cost of Seattle's minimum wage. This is not for services provided and is not paid directly to the service staff. Uh, it, it says of our guests, but I assume it means, oh, no, wait, no, that's correct. <laughs> I'm wrong. Uh, right. So they're saying that we're charging you 5% extra. It's not going to your server. It's just for our operational costs, which is like really not the tack you want to take. <laughs> like most people, and in fact, so to go on a tangent immediately, <laughs> uh, recently it's been making the rounds on Twitter again that when you when you add a tip on DoorDash, that's not over and above what the driver gets paid for the delivery, like, you know, a tip is. Yeah. Instead, there's like a set price for the delivery. And if you tip less than that set price, then uh, DoorDash makes up the difference. <laughs> um, if you tip more than the set price, then, you know, the server gets to keep whatever small difference that ends up being. But like, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, the first $6 of your tip uh, offset what DoorDash would have Right, or however however much it is. Yeah. I think it's probably around six dollars most of the time. Uh, now I this this came to light, I want to say a few weeks ago, so probably a few months ago. <laughs> and I thought that DoorDash had changed that policy because people, you know, at the, at that time were also up in arms, including myself because that's ridiculous. Uh, but I guess not because it's making the rounds on Twitter again. I guess they decided to just wait for it to blow over. And it did because I assumed that they had done something <laughs> about it and they super hadn't. So <laughs> this is like this is like if DoorDash had told you about that. Like on the one hand, that would be kind of good because like then you'd know, oh, actually, we totally screw over our drivers. You think you're doing something to help them. You're really not. We're preventing you from doing that. Yeah. So it's it's pretty bullshit. Uh, in this case, it's just basically whining at the at the customer. Like if you want to charge people more for your food to cover higher wages, just build it into the prices, dummies. <laughs> That's and and so and these particular restaurants are like 
the exact kind of restaurant that's dying everywhere anyway, like kind of mid-level sit-down restaurants. Like people don't want, like the trend is to either like Chipotle type places, the super fast casual or like fancy dining because if you're going to go out you're going to go out and not go to like Chili's. <laughs> right. I mean Chili's still does pretty well among families and stuff but eh overall uh it's it's exactly the sector of the market that's that's doing the worst right now. Right. And uh, this is in our other <laughs> frequent bucket of topics of millennials killed. <laughs> We killed shitty sit-down restaurants. Yeah. Oh, no. And for some reason, <laughs> these are um, labeled fast casual. They're casual, but they're not exactly quick. I mean, for microwave food, it does take a while for you to get your microwave shit at Applebee's or whatever, perhaps, because there's only one microwave or one person working in the kitchen. But, but yeah, like you said, if I go out for any reason, whether it's uh, with friends or on a date or something you know it's going to be somewhere good <laughs> <laughs> right someplace actually nice right i'm either going to go somewhere like for like the quality of the food or the speed of the food like you said chipotle which is why like chipotle is doing just fine because it takes you as long as you can get through the line to get your food <laughs> Yeah, when like they describe one of their restaurants as a polished casual gastropub, but the thing is real gastropubs with like actual real good food <laughs> made by humans and like interesting beer selections and stuff like that, those are doing okay, like local spots, yeah. but this corporate bullshit, like the thing that millennials <laughs> are super not into is corporate bullshit. Right. Uh, they don't, Some I saw somewhere that somebody was complaining that millennials have no brand loyalty like like that's a terrible thing <laughs> well not only that but first of all we do <laughs> they're just uh i mean they're just not the brands you're familiar with dear boomers i keep buying macbooks <laughs> for some reason i <laughs> and iphones but like it's true that i'm not loyal to chilies or applebee's i've never been to an applebee's actually mm. uh i do kind of miss the breadsticks at olive garden but I think that they're one of those things that, like, when you're actually eating them, aren't as good as you remember. It's it's like what I've read about cocaine. Like, you remember it more, like, it was more fun than it actually was. <laughs> Never done cocaine either. No cocaine, no Applebee's. What am I even doing? Yeah. Uh, I guess it'd be more accurate to say that millennials are killing franchises. Because that, like, that produces, like, the worst of all possible worlds in terms of a <laughs> restaurant experience. You can't have local variety. Like, the food comes freezer-packed from corporate. <laughs> right. Everything comes in a big Cisco truck. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have that much say in anything that they do. Like, I'm referring to, like, the local owner. Like, Right. Um, and everything is incredibly micromanaged. Like, in the event that you got, like ground beef instead of like pre-made burger roundies like it would be like two pounds is required to make eight burgers and if that doesn't happen like you have a problem <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous that this shitty example of a business sector that's dying anyway is blaming paying servers enough money that i mean 
I think the federal minimum wage for a server, for a tipped worker, is $2.13. I remember reading that earlier, which is ridiculous. Like, so, and the restaurant, so the restaurants uh, are supposed to make it up if the server doesn't make enough in tips to get them up to the level of an actual minimum wage. But since wage theft is like, by a mile, the biggest kind of theft we've got going in this country... I'm not super optimistic that most of them are actually like keeping track of that and uh, and and making it up when they fall short. Yeah. And some restaurants still try to charge servers if they have a party dine and dash, um, which is illegal. Okay. Well, that is horrible. <laughs> so the reason we didn't record last week and I intentionally made the uh, previous episode late um, was because I was on vacation and. Towards the end of it, I went out to eat with my parents at a Cracker Barrel, which is a chain that does extremely well, even in the North. <laughs> I, I want to say especially in the North, yeah, because maybe. people in the North aren't used to biscuits like that. Yeah, that's true. And in the South, I'm sure it's nothing but travesties, like if you know what any of that is supposed to taste like. <laughs> Probably. I, I've been I've been to many Cracker Barrels uh, from the time I was a child, mostly when I was a child, in fact, and I'm a Yankee through and through, yeah. <laughs> so I have no idea. The pot roast is good, though. I mean, it's pretty hard to screw up a pot roast. Not that I haven't had terrible pot roast, but... But uh, anyway, uh, whatever reason they're uh, doing perfectly okay is uh, not why I'm bringing it up. It's because um, my mom brought up that when she waitressed, like, I guess in the late seventies. <laughs> <laughs> My mom waitressed back then too. It was also two dollars. <laughs> nice. And that was also like and my my dad told a parallel story of um costing much less back then because, you know, an entire meal would have been like two dollars and thirty cents. So a fifteen percent tip would have been like thirty five cents anyway. Um hmm. and my dad pointed out that but that was a gallon of gas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like he remembered a specific uh, story of his dad, like being absolutely livid the first time it crossed a quarter. God, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, and it was such a it was such a boondoggle because I mean, okay, so there was inflation since then, but not to that extent. It was basically selling out the future, like, yeah. <laughs> which is you know great, swell. That's how we got to where we are right now, and isn't it great? Yeah, and the fact that, you know, crappy restaurants like Bennigan's are disappearing and TGI Fridays is, you know, like, I mean, the the irony of any time millennials kill something is like, I'm so sorry capitalism is working as you intended. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The uh, ideal of capitalism is the best thing wins. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird uh, how kind of mixed up... (laughs) conservatives republicans rich people i don't even know the news media somebody's mad yeah somebody's mad and it's dumb we're mad and it's smart but other people (laughs) other people are mad and it's dumb well we have evidence-based anger it's different (laughs) right yes that's what we're all about yeah so the whole minimum wage thing like people get so terrible people get so mad about the idea of the minimum wage being something that would allow you to rent a one-bedroom apartment 
near your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they they are like, no, minimum wage jobs are just for high school students. I'm like, have you seen the people who work at them lately? Minimum wage jobs are for people who can't, for whatever reason, get non-minimum wage jobs. And there's a lot of people like that. I mean, small business owners, they hire, you know, on the one hand, people like revere the shit out of small business owners. They're the foundation of whatever the fuck the country, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's obvious, yeah. it's cool if people are small business owners and they're ethical and do something awesome. That's fine. But like... <laughs> Most of them are going to pay a minimum wage uh, and they're going to hire people. And like, if you're going to if you're going to talk about these people as the foundation of the economy, then what they're doing, i.e. paying people the least amount of money they can get away with paying them is (laughs) like... They're not, there aren't enough teenagers to staff all of those jobs. And there are plenty of adults who actually need those kind of jobs to feed their children and themselves and their parents sometimes it's just hateful it's it's like the it's like the people who are mad about the idea of student loan forgiveness well i paid off my loan so everybody else should have to suffer too it's such a (laughs) it's such a weird like kick the ladder (laughs) behind you kind of philosophy that i just don't understand and it's just so deeply american and yeah student loans right they don't get anything out of it. These are not people who even have stock in student loan corporations, right. uh, especially since most, well, we kind of do in that a lot of student loans are federal, but like that money's gone and it's fine. <laughs> like the economy isn't collapsing because of that. Uh, it's fine. It doesn't hurt you, Midwestern Sally, at <laughs> all if somebody else does not have to either uh, scrape together enough money to pay off their loans or just die with student loans, which a lot of people are going to do. Yeah. Uh, what frustrating thing about how that this is a deeply American concept is that, like, the greatest generation was the last generation for which they desired things to be easier for their kids. Right? And it was. Right. The boomers hit the jackpot on that. They... um didn't have a world war to contend with um depending on when exactly they were born they may have dealt with one of the quagmires uh following world war ii but um most of them that are you know on the younger side didn't have to deal with any um and certainly the level of uh drafts for uh vietnam were not uh world war ii's like um oh, you are a male between 18 and 29, and we don't care if you need glasses, get on the boat. Right. <laughs> you know, we're... Off to Germany with you or Japan, depending. Right, where it was like basically 100%. <laughs> and they got cheap housing, and they got to experience all the other post-war booms of like the car being invented as like a thing. <laughs> They had the GI Bill, so a lot of those men, which was almost all of them, had had the opportunity for free college. Although, again, uh, I think a lot of this applied mostly to white people. I think the GI Bill did discriminate against black people. Uh, of course. It I mean, colleges certainly did, oh. so even, yeah, even, so if, even if it didn't, it, it did. <laughs> so they had it pretty great, and then they had kids. And who were, right, um, they're the uphill both ways generation, not their parents. Right, which is funny. Like, there's, I mean, Grant, so there are plenty of terrible Gen X people, and there are plenty of terrible millennials, too. Uh, Oh, my power just flickered. 
It's okay. I still I hear you. We're still good. <laughs> That's good. Um, right. Uh, so, so the boomers basically, aside from the ones who went to Vietnam, because that was fucking terrible, yeah. um, basically had it pretty easy uh, compared financially anyway. Uh, of course, women's rights weren't quite where they are. There was... Uh, <laughs> there was that whole you know, 1960s... <laughs> Right. <laughs> Although, you know, I kind of wonder uh, if there was more sexual harassment or if it was just different, like it was more open uh, and obvious, like now you have to be a little bit more subtle or in a greater position of power to abuse uh, your female employees to the same extent. I don't know. Um, Based on is... uh, the fact that um, every woman I know has had some degree of sexual harassment, um, I'm gonna go yep, with it. including me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna go with it's just more different. <laughs> well, just continuing on, you know, just yes, they did have it very easy post-war, assuming they weren't the unlucky ones who had to go back to war. Um, right. Like uh, you know, white people love the late '50s and early '60s as you know, like the <laughs> when America was great. Period. <laughs> Um, because, yeah, I think black people have a few things yeah. to say about that. <laughs> For some reason, they don't like those same people who have that uh, misplaced nostalgia for it are in opposition to anything that would actually bring bring anything towards uh, their false memories. Right, like like the policies that created the enormous gains in science, technology. Uh, probably education, um, namely funding it, right? <laughs> are exactly it's exactly what they absolutely don't want to do because Reagan told them. I guess you know, which was weird because you'd think you could just look back at what uh, had been working for the past thirty years and be like, no, I think we should keep doing that instead of no, let's do the opposite of that so that we can really be well. It's like, okay, so hindsight is twenty twenty, but. Uh, they had some hindsight there. It's like, well, I don't know. Things have been going pretty good under exactly not what you want to do, Mr. Reagan. Perhaps we should keep doing not what you want to do. Also, your brain is turning to Swiss cheese. It, it's a whole thing <laughs> about how uh, exactly all of it happened, <laughs> which I'm not going to attempt to summarize in four minutes. But, <laughs> um, But the main thing was that back then, you know, Everybody made cars as like their job because everyone wanted a car and a car costs about a month of wages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit more than that now. And your house was like two years of wages. <laughs> a little bit more than that now too. Yeah. Although I, I do take a perverse glee in baby boomers who build like who who knocked down their little uh, knocked starter down, homes yeah, or whatever, and then build like a huge McMansion, and then are angry, not sad but angry <laughs> that millennials are killing the McMansion <laughs> industry because why aren't we buying their houses? Well, shit, man, with what? And the the final thing I just want to hammer home with this is that so all those prices of you know well specifically just cars and houses went up 
orders of magnitude faster than inflation. And that's not how it's supposed to work because computers, for example, have collapsed compared to inflation. <laughs> yeah. Like a original uh, Macintosh, you know, it was like, what, five to $9,000, depending on how you spec it, in 1984 dollars. <laughs> right. A Mac 2FX was uh, ten grand in about 1992, I want to say. Yeah, but uh, that was the Mac Pro, so I mean, that does... Well, yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you know, like the bottom line of, like, a personal computer. Yeah, but a, a functional personal computer is, you know, like... Uh, $99. <laughs> Frequently. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that did work as technology pro uh, progressed. Um, and cars, you know, did get more complicated. I can give them some of it. Uh, but a lot of it is just how complicated the whole supply chain thing has gotten. And the fact that uh, globalization is kind of bad sometimes. <laughs> and houses got expensive because... A couple of very specific jackasses decided that uh, houses were equity. And if there is one way to fix this, it is an across-the-board wage hike. Because even if you don't uh, let people cancel bad debt that they don't deserve to have because of predatory practices, the dirty, or I should say, secretly clean truth about inflation is that... <laughs> Uh, people who hold debt benefit tremendously from rapid yeah. inflation. If the dollar inflates to 2x, it's or half its value, which, whichever. You, you, <laughs> you know the way I'm attempting to describe. The uh, 100K mortgage is now twice as easy to pay off or whatever right. debt they have. If, you know, if their wage suddenly doubles, but also the bread doubles, but their debt still halves relatively and that happens if you take on new debt too like if if you know the dollar is suddenly worth half as much so it takes so you're so you're being paid twice as many dollars but um whatever some things it the prices won't change immediately so you'd have a real window <laughs> like as 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 you have more money you can afford more expensive things right it's that's basically where I'm going, which is obvious. Like, I mean, there's still going to be problems like a, a lot of places where that are near people's jobs are still going to be too expensive, even if people have more money, because we decide that which we can do, by the way, we can decide people should have more money and then give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh a lot of places don't have enough housing because of outdated uh, zoning laws or redlining, uh, which was a thing, is is a thing probably. I mean, yeah. not not like official like it used to be, but um, it's genuinely, it's like, <laughs> there are, like all of those uh, Victorian mansions in, in San Francisco, like they're very pretty. Uh, and it's good that we've taken lots of pictures of them because we should absolutely knock them down and build large apartment buildings there. Uh, whatever is seismically reasonable. Right. <laughs> yeah, because they have <laughs> that whole extra factor there to deal with. In the D.C. area, like, <laughs> we sh I, I live in a, kind of a medium-sized house on a huge lot. 
Like, you could fit probably three of these houses. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't want to because there would be the one house in the middle with no access to the road, uh, which would kind of suck for those people. But it would be pretty easy to fit a lot more housing uh, on this lot than my single house. I think it's somewhere between a a third and a quarter of an acre. Um, And in D.C. itself, there's uh, not a not a law, but kind of a policy, a genuinely generally accepted practice that no building will be higher than the Washington Monument, which is pretty tall. Uh, and you can fit a lot of people in apartment buildings that tall. But there's also like this whole thing about, oh, well, we have to provide, uh, preserve like the, the tree line or whatever, or, like the, the, the lack of a skyline in Washington, D.C., because there are no tall buildings. Yeah. D.C. isn't a pretty city now. Like, you can't really mess it up as long as you, like, don't pave over the mall. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, New York smells like urine, but (laughs) they've got... It's it's a lot closer to being able to house as many people as need to be there. Uh, It's still not, of course, and it's still too expensive. Uh, By the way, the landlord class can suck it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> even even my landlord because you know what my landlord does to make uh, a bunch of money renting this house to me almost nothing like every now and then we'll call and be like hey your roof is leaking <laughs> and she'll send somebody out to fix it that's it like that's the whole right that's the whole deal it, it's it's among the more ludicrous of uh alleged earn income <laughs> <laughs> they bought this house for like uh i think it was like 265 in 1992 uh, i imagine that's paid off by now yeah <laughs> and so it's so the their property taxes which are enormous given your locale they're pretty high in fairfax but not as high as my rent which is based not on uh not it's totally divorced from the landlord's actual costs uh and is purely based on what other people have uh, been able to extract from people who want to live in this area yep. uh, what the market can bear pretty much <laughs> and that's great according to consider like that's fine that's what the market can bear okay cool so either you can afford that house or you can't but when the market can't bear a bunch of shitty fast <laughs> uh, shitty sit-down restaurants that serving up variations on cisco catalog food <laughs> that's egregious and wrong somehow i don't know it's really weird the article I found on the death of TGI Fridays um, included like a specific location in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is uh, <laughs> funny because um, I do spend uh, about a week every two years there. And it's a particularly fun spot of Pennsylvania because it's like it's eastern Pennsylvania and like you can get to Philly from there in a day, but it's also the home of uh, one of the best uh, operating rail museums in the U.S., which means it's also like the local epicenter of steampunk culture. Oh, is it? That's funny. Yeah. So this very interesting combination of uh, Amish people uh standard middle pa rednecks and uh you know blue bearded hipsters <laughs> um i haven't been to the uh counterpoint establishment that isn't a tgi fridays in the piece but um the place that is like 
very near the train museum is one of these, you know, for lack of a better term, hipster cafes. And do you know what's <laughs> great about it? The menu, like they have seven menus a week. Now, I've never been there long enough to see if that like repeats. But can you imagine like variety? Not, you know, like the same <laughs> like uh, frozen already cooked chicken fingers, like kissing a deep fryer and then <laughs> being served. And they taste to slightly you still of fish. Yes, that tastes like fish sticks. So, yeah, like sometimes capitalism does work and it's like when it's not making people suffering, you know, like that's a problem. Uh, so we'll probably be back with some horrific topic next week because <laughs> this one was fun. You know, ish. <laughs> wait, wait, staff are being screwed really hard uh, all all over the place. And I do feel bad for the servers who worked at those shitty restaurants that are closed now. Right. Hopefully they can be absorbed into uh, better restaurants in their area or perhaps some other something. I don't know. Something else. Yeah. Well, you managed to make it depressing. We can edit it now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>